Welcome to Very Honored Frater BT's Esoterrender Podcast, episode 119, in which I recite cantos 4 through 6 of The Life and Liberation of Padmasambhava. But first... guys will never guess what happened today. My Polly Scriptures arrived. It was a little ad for our sister podcast in which uh, Edward Reeb, who looks a lot like me, but he wears a different outfit, um, recites, loosely speaking, uh, Buddhist books. Um, you can check out that podcast right here. It's called Edward Reeb's Buddhist Books Podcast. It's available on the podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. Um, and yeah, so those poly scriptures just arrived from London, uh, and they're right here, you can see, in the bookshelf. So we'll be getting to those uh, relatively shortly. Right now, uh, we're getting through some of the Jain Sutras. If you're confused about why would we be doing that, then uh, do check out, after you finish this episode, do check out this playlist here. That'll start you uh, with the introduction and there's a lot of cool graphics and maps and stuff explaining why uh, we're talking about Jain Sutras on a Buddhist podcast. So, <clears throat> moving right along. Oh, that intro you might have noticed. Uh, this here, which I painted yesterday. See? This has uh, four Asiatic lions back to back. And it's a big pillar. Um, but I've painted it in an unusual stylized way. So what is this thing? Um, briefly, in the uh, third century before Common Era, there was a king named Ashok or Ashoka. There he is. Uh, now, he basically he conquered a lot of territory. He conquered all of India except for the southern tip, but he conquered like into present-day Pakistan. Pakistan? What's that? Pakistan and Afghanistan. That's what that is. And uh, into what is now considered China. So he um, what happened was after he had conquered all this land, or at some point in the career, I'm just going to tell the, the cl quick clip notes, slightly inaccurate version, but you know, accurate enough. He um, felt bad about all the violence and uh, there you can see him renouncing violence symbolically by throwing his sword into the water. Yes, that is from a movie called Ashok, which you can see here. 
or Ashoka. It's, uh, they don't pronounce the A usually, unless they're talking to foreigners, so that confuses us even more and makes us think that everything's pronounced with A, and then we don't understand when people are talking amongst themselves. Anyway, um, oh, hey, Yeshi. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, so after he, he converted to Buddhism, he became a devout Buddhist, the third Theravadan council, when the, uh, the people who, you know, uh, were the practicing monks after Buddha passed away and his original disciples were, you know, leading in his place, you know, there was a, a figurehead at the top and so on and so forth, and that was called Theravada. Um, Assholes call it Hinayana, um, which means small vehicle, as opposed to the big vehicle that they invented 800 years later. That's a whole other story. We also talk about that on uh, the Buddhist Books podcast. If you start from the beginning, if you click that first link and start with Dhammapada, then you'll get to go on an interesting ride. I'll just say that much. Um, I do want to get through this so we can get to the reading. So basically, yeah, so here you can see is one of the original pillars of Ashok uh, near Pune in Maharashtra. And so, yeah, he built those all over India and again into Pakistan and Afghanistan and into China. And because he was such a proponent, is that the right word, of Buddhism, uh, that pillar became sort of synonymous with Buddhism. And uh, even today, you can find in Shanghai, China, the pillar of Ashok. There it is, adorning, um, you know, Buddhist temples there in Shanghai, which is interesting. And uh, these days, also a little bit uh, ironic, because the uh, after independence, when India became the Republic of India and no longer. Uh, the crown in the uh, jewel of the British Empire, or whatever, in the you know, jewel in the crown of the British Empire, which they never gave back, by the way, but they did give some islands. So, well, that's a whole other story. You'll hear about that next week if you are listening to Buddhist books. What am I talking about? Okay, so uh, when they when they were you know creating the flag and everything, they created this uh, symbol as the official emblem of India, which of course is the pillar of Ashok, but uh, gold or brass, and uh, sorry, the National Anthem of India always starts playing whenever I show that on screen. And so with, whoa, uh, yeah, that's, that's a little weird. And so with this pillar, uh, what I decided to do was to paint it in the style of the Tibetan temples with the, uh, the four colors. Um, if you're confused about the arrangement of the, uh, you know, colors, then you are an esoteric nerd. Um, so, so yeah, the red one is uh, represents Amitabha, and he's in the West. And in the uh, Buddhist context, West means top. As you can see here, these are the uh, the five Dhyani Buddhas. Now, Vairochana is uh, not represented here, but in some of the places where the, the colors, were, you know, where I didn't exactly color within the lines, you can see white shining through, see? So, yeah, that's not, that's not a flaw. What that is, is Vairochana uh, shining through. Anyway, so, yeah, you have Amitabha here in the west. You have uh, Akshobhya in the east, 
Ratnasambhava in the south and Amoga Siddhi in the north. And you can correspond, you know, and then Virachana in the center, uh, representing void or Akasha, which sometimes gets translated as spirit or thought of as spirit. But it, it basically means space. More accurately, it's space. In Japanese Buddhism, they, they call it void. But void, space, synonymous, eh, basically. But anyway, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll just put this. Yeshi, why are you there? Now you can see Yeshi peeking through. Um, so we'll, we'll keep that pillar right here for the duration of the reading. And so there you have it, my Tibetan-style pillar of Ashok. And so, without further ado, let's get to today's recital, shall we? Canto number four. The five castes and the consecration of the five radiant suns. The Lama Dorje Chang having arisen. Now, the doctrine of the formulas as protective method had thus produced total renunciation, liberating all from the ocean of existence. In his desireless serenity, Padma was given the homage of gods and men and rose to be Lama Dorje Cheng. Once among the countless eras that have gone by, at the depth of multiple inconceivable past ages, in the age of ultra-joy. At the time when 33,000 Buddhas appeared, as the result of Buddha Samantabhadra's teaching, there lived in the region of adornment displayed a father of the warrior caste, Runa and a mother of the same rank, Karu Navati. Their child, Dai Kyab, warrantor of happiness, was also given the name Zaiwei Tog, beauteous signal, as the prayer for a pure heart was being directed to the primordial Buddha Samantabhadra. Through his family, he was of imperial descent. He was born as the five radiant sons, and thus was born, thus was the lineage of those worthy of the people's homage. Then on the occasion of the prayer of dedication to Vajadara. His name was Dampa Tongpe Sempa Dorje, Diamond 
of the brave, who sees holiness. The name of the Buddha was Akshobhya. To a father of the servile caste, the Mang Rig, and to a mother of the same caste, the child's name was Tramita, and as prayer name for a pure heart, he was called Mikyab Pal, inconceivable glory. The family name was Rihazur, the dedicatory name Dorje Cho, Diamond Essence, and the name of the Buddha was Amitabha. To a Brahmin father, Arajas, and to Guptima, the mother, a son was born. The child was given the name Lechin, who reveals karma. And as prayer name for a pure heart, Dawa Zaipel, glory of beautiful moonlight. The family name was Satrel, effect of karma. The secret dedicatory name was Dorje Ying, diamond plane. And the name of the Buddha was Vairochana. To a Kandala father, Gupta, and to a Kandala mother, Sumunti, was born a child, Sambura, and the prayer name for a pure heart was Kunle Drig, appropriate among all. The family name was Jetong Jom, thousand victorious active ones. The dedicatory name was Legi Dorje, diamond of the undertakings. And the name of the Buddha was Amogasiddhi. To a father of the merchant caste, Kune, and to a mother of the same caste, Alama, was born a child, Palchin, who reveals the splendor. And the prayer name for a pure heart was Norchin, who reveals the jewel. The family name was Norseg, burning jewel. And the dedicatory name was Dorje Rinchen, precious Vajra, while the name of the Buddha was Ratnasambhava. And the major methods, having disclosed to them many a mystery, they meditated upon all the sublime secret mantras and with assurance proclaimed supreme deliverance. Of the history unabridged of the lives of the Guru of Uddiyana, Padmasambhava, this is the fourth canto, the families of the five castes and the consecration to the five radiant suns, when an eternity 
arose as supreme Vajradhara, sealed oaths. Canto five, the series of the births of Rudra and the beginning of his subjugation. Now, at the end of Samantabhadra's teaching, the saint saw in the area to be converted to the two doctrines and in the land of the Dujong Tsang that a certain householder, Kaukala, had a son, Kaukuntri, cow of universal suffering, who had a servant, Brahmadeva. In order to maintain the affirmation of the metamorphosis body, Padma assumed life as the Bhiksu Tubka. Shunu Kiwa, Invincible Youth. In order to keep the formulas, an expression of the body of fruition, he was also known as a high master of the house, Rigchang, holding his caste. Toward this bhiksu, known under two names, Go the aspirations of all. He adopts and follows the great path of the five applications and the conditions of the aggregates he sees as to be praised. At this same time, Kao Kuntri became a believer. Having questioned many men, he settled his doubt. Quote, I will imitate the teacher Tubka Shunukyuwa, he said to himself, since one does not achieve awakening if one does not cast off suffering. This is in quotes. Is it not the Dharma when one does what gives one pleasure? I myself will speak out as well as this bhiksu. May I, when my ignorance has been dispelled, obtain nirvana, end quote. Therefore, since Tubka Shunukyuwa was considered a great master, Kao Kuntri and Brahmadeva came into his presence, and there they said, quote, Clearing away all doubt, excuse me, clearing away doubt, one clears away the three sufferings. One is then, by acting according to one's pleasure, a yogi. We ask the support of the one who in the application knows how to see the noble truths and discerns the meaning of the formulas. End quote. 
Thus they beseeched him, with their heads bowed at his feet. And the doctor said, quote, Yes, of course, right, benediction. However, one can, one purifies the cycle of existence. Therefore, brotherhood has well been called the best jewel. End quote. At these words, master and servant entered into religion. Karma Nagpo, Black Deliverance, and Den Pag, Orderly Restraint. Such were the names which they received. And Den Pag was entrusted to be the Judge of Tarpa. Then the Bhiksu Tarpa Nagpo, speaking to Tubka Shunukiwa said, quote, O guardian of the formulas, great carrier of the formulas of knowledge, what is the true path to the full deliverance from all suffering? End quote. The doctor smiled. Quote, In the uncontrived nature of existence, in order that attachment to the four realities may be nothing more than a cloud in the sky. There is the road of holy application. If one does not know it, there is no other order of views in the three worlds." End quote. Thus he showed himself to be wise and of upright mind. Since Tarpa and the servant were satisfied, they respectfully made him an offering. Then, after praising him highly, they withdrew. And Tarpa adapted his conduct to the words of the Dharma, but he had not understood the true meaning. So suffering burned him, strongly attached as he was, to the four realities. His body put on the semblance of holiness, but his mind was going to perdition. Den Pog, the servant, who had understood the true meaning, conducted himself according to his greater understanding. Without attachment, he knew the doctrine of the teacher. His body had the semblance of common people, but he was not tied to that position. His orthodox mind took the sure path. Soon the master and the servant had the opportunity to part ways in deed as well as in theory. Bitterly, the monk Tarpa Nagpo observed, quote, We who joined under the same spiritual guide are now wanting to change the meaning of each word. How can we dispute over each practice? End quote. Den Pog replied to Tarpa Nagpo, quote, Established in certainty and equanimity, 
I cannot understand one who is not truly sanctified. End quote. Here, Tarpa Nagpo answered, quote, Adopted as certain, my usage of the formulas is in agreement with the Dharma. End quote. And letting his pride burst forth, Tarpa Nagpo said further, quote, Denpag, in theory as in practice, you are in error. Knowledge and suffering have only one origin. Even by virtue acquired through effort, on the relative level, one does not become a Buddha. Therefore, without effort, one reaches purity on the absolute level. End quote. Now, Den Pag retorted, quote, Wisdom purifies consciousness of desire. One has access to the formulas by means of the uncontrived nature of existence. Suffering disappears like a cloud into space. The triple activity overturned. One does his utmost. Such is the opinion of the teacher Tubka. End quote. At these words, Tarpa Nagpo, irritated, exclaimed, The guide Tupa Shunukyuwa practices detachment. Silent, he keeps the true nature of esotericism secret. End quote. Now, in order to submit the question to that great sage, king of the Dharma of Jabudvipa, they set out to vie with each other. Having arrived together, they submitted their case, and the doctor, discerning correctly, said, Den Pag is right. Tarpa Nagpo became furious, both in mind and speech. Quote, For one spiritual guide, to have two opposing viewpoints is all wrong. The teachings then lead to disagreement. Den Pag, undependable as a servant, even raises his voice to me. End quote. Den Pag replied, His actions turn completely to the wrong path. Action with such a guide is entirely deflected. In order that he may cease to lecture, may he be immediately expelled. The master is, on the whole, a man like the pupil. Both resemble each other, except that one does not speak. Since I am constrained to silence, the teaching is backwards. No one here likes so partial a master. If he is banished, I will see about taking care of the country. End quote. Banished to the frontier, Tarpa Nagpo stood in the distance, rejected. Like drum and thunder was the voice of the great sage Tubka, and in the world of borders of the group of valleys, people took refuge in Tubka Shunukyuwa, and he said, quote, Weak minds which do not know are incapable of explaining the doctrine. They are like jugglers in empty villages. End quote. And saying this, he proceeded to another region. Then the monk Tarpa Nagpo 
turning himself to the activities of the hunt and other worldly ways, incapable of reciting the formulas for the contemplation of the gods, violated in his savage soul his vows to superior and brother. He enlarged and multiplied endlessly the doors of the Dharma. Instead of weighing the two doctrines, as he should have, Tarpa, following the inclination of the logic dear to himself, led everyone astray on an evil path. In his aberration, he freed the male demons and gathered the female demons under his power. And he took the dead into charnel houses in order to have his fill of them. He put on human skins, which caused him to have scabs. Instead of cattle, he raised bloodhounds and other beasts with rapacious instincts. Assembling the courtesans, he consecrated them and took sport in luxury. The nature of the four substances was transgressed. Among the ten iniquities, he presided over evil hangings, and the lords and the army resembled brigands. When he had for twelve cycles practiced the black doctrine, incarnations followed each other. He had five hundred existences as a black jackal, five hundred as a wandering mastiff, five hundred as a carnivorous mongoose, five hundred as a bee with a poison sting, and five hundred as a nimble worm. Still more he had as a ghost, a sucker of feet, and other inconceivable things. Then five hundred as an eater of vomit, and others lower than the rank of animals. After various births, lower than the rank of ghosts, he received a new form as a flesh-eater, gnawer of bones. Again he was reborn with neck and shoulders rotten, pus-ghost, named eager to make inquiry. Then, at the end of twenty thousand existences, after the teaching of the Buddha Dipamkara, that of Shakyamuni, Shakyamuni not having yet appeared. And in this interval, many years having passed in the absence of the teaching, in Lankapura, the land of ogres, a courtesan, Kuntugyu, wandering everywhere, is the meaning of his name, mated with a Mara of the twilight and a demon of midnight. And a genie of the dawn also mated with her, and she conceived. The fathers being three fierce spirits, there was born at the end of eight months a child with three heads. It had six hands, it had four feet, it had two wings, which pushed into its body. It had nine eyes, three on each head. It presented multiple appearances. 
As soon as it was born, calamity announced itself. Sickness filled the lands of Lanka. The amount of merits done declined. Famines, wars, epidemics, and the three scourges increased, and there were nightmarish dreams of many deadly beings. Nine months after his birth, the child fell ill, and Kuntugyu herself the people of the land said, This bastard of ill omen must be disposed of secretly. In the root of the funerary tree was a poison, Nalbi. There was a black swine of the tombs, a liar of error, in the middle of which was a venomous serpent, a container of hate the peak was the nest of the kite of desire. The ogres bringing their dead to this place. It is the haunt of the elephant and the tiger. And here reptiles instill their poison. It is also here that the dakinis convey the corpses. And here at the root of the tree that the ogres build their tombs. The child was buried with the dead mother. Now, embracing his mother, the child nursed her breast, with the result that he sustained life for seven days with the yellow fluid. Then, by sucking her blood, he lived seven days. Then, by eating her breasts, he lived for seven days. Then, by eating her viscera, he lived seven days. Viscera. Then, by eating her flesh behind, he lived seven days. Then, by eating her bone marrow, he corrupted spine marrow, the corrupted spine marrow. And by eating the brain, he lived a span of seven days. For 42 days, his body grew. And then... When he no longer had anything to eat, he shook and made the tomb collapse. On looking inside, the Dakinis saw that the cadaver had been devoured. Having eaten her flesh and drunk her blood, he had also taken her skin as a tunic, and her skull as a cup for bloody libations. Seeing a serpent, he made himself an anklet for his foot, a bracelet and a necklace. Finding a dead elephant, he ate its flesh and stretched out its skin. He drank the blood and ate the flesh of a tiger and used its pelt as a cloak. Then from his mouth, he produced the fixed form of a curd of blood. And from his body, he disposed of a small pile of ashes. And he who had eaten his mother for nourishment and dressed himself in her raw skin, who in his thirst had drunk her blood and who in action had perpetuated, had perpetrated crime, who to live had lived off the dead, had a complexion which shone with light. 
White on the right, red on the left. Blue in the middle, his faces were fierce. Red, white, and blue. His giant body was of a pale ash color. His face was maliciously gracious with coarse, muscular bundles of rough flesh. He attached on one side of himself a row of withered heads and hung fresh heads about him. He made himself a garland of three fringes dangling with skulls, and he oiled all his cheeks with red semen. On his body, a swine's skin grew. His mouth and eyes were scarlet. His mop of red hair, red with the mud of his hanging curls, he tied in a knot of half-length with five kinds of asps. Armed with bird claws on all his limbs, he tied to these in turn the serpents of five species. He swallowed voraciously flesh and blood, every prey which he could seize. Boar, spe boar spears and whatever could serve as a weapon he carried. From his left hand he drank from the skull filled with blood. His breath gave rise to all the contagions of heat, his nose to various kinds of cold illness. From his eyes, from his ears, and from his lower orifices issued the 404 sorts of typhus maladies, evils of air, earth, water, and fire, acute quincies, stomach spasms, malignant gastritises, ulcers of leprosy, the scabs of smallpox, great plagues, dropsies, abscesses, erysipelas, erysipelas, cow lickings, abscessed kidneys, manifold and terrifying ravages were spread abroad. By name he was called the one who devours his mother, Mataramgara. At this time, 24 countries had formidable and irresistible masters. The countries of Puliramalaya, Jalandhara, Udiyana, and Arbuda were seized by the gods. Godavari, Ramasvari, Devikota, and Malava, all minor countries, were seized by the Gandharva. All eight, which the gods and Gandharva seized, were of celestial rank. Because they had been seized by those from heaven, Kamarupa and Odivisa were seized by the Yaksa. Trisakuna and Kosala, minor countries, were later seized by the Yaksa. Kalinga, Lampaka, and Chandoha were seized by the ogres. Kansi, the Himalaya, and 
Upachandoha were seized by the ogres and constituted the earthly empire. Pritapuri and Gurhadevata were places of assembly seized by the Nagas. Surastra and Suvarnadvipa were minor places seized by the Nagas. Nagara and Sindhu cemeteries were seized by the Asuras. Maru and Kuluta, also minor cemeteries, were seized by the Asuras, Nagas of the Nagaloka, and Titans of the crypts of Meru. These were said to be of the lower domain. The haughty masters of the world, taking life from the inhabitants of the earth with battle axes, pitchforks, boar spears, swords, wore eight macabre suits of bones and told their wives at the time of marriage, quote, we who are happy and without rivals will fall into civil war for lack of a chief, lose our means of eating and drinking, and find ourselves admired in quarrel and battle. The very strong one, great lord, great god, magic coffer who commands all through action, Mataramgara, this is the chief to take. And to make deeds conform to principles, we and the Buddha, devourers of life, whether it be of the body, speech, or mind, promise never to tremble at his orders. End quote. Thus, Mataramgara became the chief of the entire world of genies. All were eager for the magic coffer. The Vignas, day and night, perpetually guarded their sinister chief. A multitude of Bhutas, the non-human beings, crowded around, battering everyone, seizing living human beings, and making slaves of each one, or slaves of slaves. The great strength of the formidable one crushed his adversaries, and at that time all who died went to hell. Now he said, quote, I now must announce the renown of the world according to merit. Who is greater than I? Who surpasses me? End quote. In a frenzy of pride, he talked, he, he talked such nonsense. Quote, we need an army of burning fire. I will create it. I am the lord of all the Bhutas, and if any other lord excels me, to that one will I submit. End quote. Pride thus proclaimed into the ten points of space obscured his mind. But Dutsen, sign of the times, declared truly, Quote, in the capital of Lanka, land of the ogres, in the country Chanlag of the Red Plateau of the Wolves, on the lightning peak of the Malaya Mountains, 
is the master of Lanka, the king of the ogres, disciple of the Buddha, Dipamkara. More than yours, his fame is growing. Enemies, all beaten, cannot crush him. He sleeps well, and well he awakens. End quote. Scarcely having heard these words, the formidable one with his armies entered into war, and like a bird when it has flown into the sky, fell on the mountainous country Chanlog in the land of the ogres. Quote, I am Rudra who devours his mother, end quote, he cried out with immoderate pride. The lands of Lanka began to shake while ogres and ogresses uh, were bewildered with terror. The emissary sent by the king saw that the formidable one was irresistible like his armies. Praying in the hearing of the king, the minister of Lanka went into meditation and sent forth serene thoughts to the formidable one. Quote, as in the sutra of the king who guards the virtues, when confusion stirs up the chief, consternation takes, these, takes the counselors. Evil spirit, misbegotten demon, you have passed through three incarnations of curses. Your victory over the master of Lanka is not in doubt, but in the end, ruled by numerous tathagatas, the supreme diamond vehicle will appear. Quote, Since there is a prediction like this, end quote, said the formidable one, Quote, we must try to see if it is true. The royal army of ogres struggling to win will be crushed by me, thanks to the magic coffer. By me, alone and great, without rival. By me, having servants Mahadeva, the four regents and the rest, obeyed by the spirits of the eight classes, master of the world, what rival is equal to me, Rudra, Ma Rudra, who devoured his mother. Quote. Thus he spoke and subdued the multitudes of Raksasas. Then the king said, quote, In order to spread the Buddhist doctrine, I have ventured against you. But now I repent of it. I will become your subject. I will no longer resist. End quote. Even though he had subjugated the king, the queen, and their retin retinue, and the entire kingdom of ogres, the famous chief Marudra, who devoured his mother, envied all that he saw as soon as he saw it. Now again, in arrogant challenge, he said, Who is greater than I, Rudra, Marudra, who devoured his mother? End quote. But Dutsen marked his words were more energetically. Quote, Among the titans there is one greater than you, the chief of the suras, Mahakaru. End quote. Magic art and mighty wonders took place. The formidable one, totally provoked, 
changed into a fire army. And by means of a clever flight, he fell down into Mahakaru's abode. There he changed his method. Instead of weapons, on reading Mahakuru, he caused cold and hot sickness, sicknesses, and killed him by his foul breath. He seized the body, which had been overcome with erysipelas and smallpox. He took the corpse by the right foot. The head, which went on display around the land, was shown in the eight happy abodes. The hidden wives, their sons, and their followings, the eight planets, the twenty-eight constellations, and the evil Vigna guides, as many of them as there were, finding no safety when they sought refuge, ended up falling back before the formidable one. Committed to destroy the reign of the Titans, relying upon the strong of head and the weak of body, he raised at his palace the standard of Mara, and raised before the, his portal the likenesses of frightful demons. Surrounded by the magic apparatus of the ceremonial round, he put on the tip of his finger the prodigious Meru, Turning his head around, he shouted with pride, quote, Who in this world surpasses the terrifying Rudra, Ma Rudra, who devoured his mother? Question mark. Quote, end quote. But Dutzen said, He is a rival of the Great One, who lays aside competition. In the region of the 33 gods of Gandan, he is like gold in the midst of the listeners and of the community. He is called Namdren Dampar Tokar, sublime living savior with the white insignia, and has received the investiture which gods and conquerors praise. He is the one whom the numerous symbols incite. The songs and the voices all salute absolutely. He is great. End quote. At these words, transported with fury, grimacing, shaking his body, burning with rage, Rudra hurled forth outrageous words, his voice accompanied by an earthquake. But from the height of the seat of the law, Dampa Tokar embraced him with a hug so as to cast him into the universe. The eminent listeners said peacefully, Alack, alas, what is this sin? This is what sin brings. Or would you aspire to the cause of virtue? End quote. And arranging the four corners of their robes, they sat down in happiness. Then Rudra said, I am at your mercy, although I am a hero of great strength. And now Dampa Tokar showed the proper way. To all his retinue, he said with firmness, quote, Alas, my distinguished listeners, faithless to the teachings of the Buddha, a perjured disciple was this Tarpa Nagpo. He has gathered the entire teachings of gods, of men, and of titans, but has not attained the true meaning. But in the presence of the perfect Buddhas, the world of hate 
dissolves and its crimes are dissolved. Both Tubka, Shunukua, and Denpag will unexpectedly in this life bring retribution. Peace and faith not curbing him. Rudra will be subdued by force and constraint. Those who do not believe in the noble truths, believing the body to be a gift, will yield to the master conquerors, dominant like the firmament. The sacred substance, the amrita of the attainment of virtue, will transform these poisons into nectar. Merely an atom of this will completely subdue anyone. Mitun Nyanpo will come as Dorja Tagochen Vajra with the head of a horse, and Denpag as the Tatagata Vajrapani. Meditating, Tubka will be as the great Vajrasattva. Here is the exalted prediction which triumphs. The enemies on the opposite side being exhausted, I will enter the womb of Maya Devi. And under the tree of awakening, I will enter into meditation. In this way, there will be no action of eternalism. And henceforth, the excellent teaching of the sage, giving happiness to all beings, will for ages endure in this Jambud Vipa. Through the entire accession to profound efficacy in union and in liberation. Rudra, who devoured his mother, will renounce the egoism of the body by means of the happiness and unhappiness of the world. Rudra the grasper will renounce the egoism of the word. Through the revelation of the omnipresent essence, Rudra of the boar spear will renounce the egoism of the mind. The true nature of Rudra is expressed in this verse. Rudra, mystery without and within the very depths, Rudra, victor over 58 armies. This terrestrial abode, although degenerate, will rejoice. The profound Dharma and the three jewels will guard the kingdom. The lessons of the Dharma will not decline and will attain Nirvana. Thus he spoke and gave up his presence in the heavens to become incarnate. And here is what the subtle superknowledge of Rudra perceived then. He would be lord over the great god, Garab Wangchug, and would gather all the regions of the gods of Gandan under his dominion. He would also subdue the gods of Brahma and Sakra in Malaya, in Malaya, he would hold the fortress of the skull and of the fresh body. 
the place of the one who has devoured his lair of human skin, giving himself over to the harmonies of flutes, tambourines, and cymbals. All would dwell in the midst of songs and dances. Of the history unabridged of the lives of the guru of Udhyana, Padmasambhava, this is the fifth canto, which shows the series of the births of Rudra to be converted. Sealed Oaths. Canto number six. The subjugation of Rudra by the horse and the swine. Now, the method of converting Rudra. There came from the plane of essence of the pure and sublime abodes, the saintly sovereign master, worthy of the homage of gods and men. Essence body, Samantabhadra, with his following. There came from the heaven of fixed solidity, vision of mercy. Body of fruition, the great Vajradhara with his following. There came from the pure palace of the willow cradles, metamorphosis body, Vajrapani with his following. There came from the celestial palace, formed alone, with triple invisible body, the august Samantadhara. There came from the world of ultra joy, the Buddha Vajrasattva, with his following. There came from the region of the splendid world, the Buddha Ratnasambhava, with his following. There came from the region of the happy land, the Buddha Amitabha with his following. There came from the region of the illuminated world, the Buddha Vairochana with his following. There came from the region of the purest world, the Buddha Amogasiddhi with his following. Still others came, welcome ones without number, unutterable, body of fruition like the circle of the sun, and all confer with the knowledge bearer. Quote, If Rudra is not conquered by the power of the Buddha, the Buddhist doctrine will not flourish, and rolling into evil ways, Rudra's body with its detestable deeds will experience the weapons of the tormentors of hell. If his previous actions do not carry their fulfillment, the truth which the conquerors announce is false. By remaining a stranger to fear, one will submit to it. The conference will agree fully. The welcome ones who see with the eye of Gnosis to whom the fortunate of this conquest will fall. 
No, it has fallen to the lot of Tubka and Denpog. And the welcome ones celebrate the consecration. Tubka is vowed no longer to the Buddha, but to Vajrasattva. Likewise, Denpog is vowed to Vajrapani. The welcome ones also formulate the entreaty. Quote, May Tara dispense the predictions and Avalokiteshvara the power. Horse face and swine face are going to put on the pressure. Now the time has come for some well-expressed advice. Profound, tranquil, free from ego action, ambrosial, uncompounded, end quote, where their bodies became very bright and they emitted wrathful and threatening aspects. The horse spoke three times, the swine five, and Rudra Black Deliverance replied, quote, You the small ones with horse and swine necks, what is it you are saying? The gods and titans of the world, this crowd of mighty ones, count and praise my virtues. Look at my face with a spirit of respect. If I am not conquered, you will be happy yourselves. And although I was formerly nourished in an unaccustomed way, there is no way I will be conquered. End quote. Thus he spoke and greeted them stretching out his hand and nodding his head. Then the horse's neck penetrated Tarpa's lower door. Pressed from within by the horse head, oh, pressed from within by the horse head, which was raising itself up, Tarpa stretched out his arms and legs, and the horse head, with its rich ornaments, bathed in pleasant warm grease, turned green. Pagdong slipped into Tarpa's urethra and came forth by extending his head. The swine's head, colored by a fat bath, turned black. As the faces of the horse and swine joined each other, creating the god Mawatseg. The horse let forth six words, and the swine grunted five words. Quote, To treat the welcome one like a future corpse, though one may be calm, impassive, or fierce, is to entwine oneself in endless shadows. End quote. Suffering intolerable heat in his whole swollen body, Tarpa Nagpo uttered cries of distress, quote, Father, Mother, who you? End quote. The horse and the pig have subdued Rudra. The Buddha has subdued the demons. The Dharma, the impious, oh, the Dharma has subdued the impious. The Sangha has subdued the, unbeliever, the unbelievers. The powerful one, the titans has subdued in between, implied. There's a pattern established. The Titans have subdued the moon. The Garuda has subdued the sea. Fire has conquered the trees. Water has conquered fire itself. 
The wind has completely subdued the clouds. The diamond has pierced the rock. Last night's nightmare is done. Whatever you do, do quickly. They made a terrible voice resound. Quote, end your anger. Fall into the ocean of the Nagas. The royal tree fulfilling desires. Sandalwood, heart of snake, spouted. Its roots were planted in the land of the Nagas. Its leaves were gathered in the abode of the Titans. Its fruits ripened in the dwellings of the gods. Its name is the Ambrosia of Immortality. End quote. When the horse and the pig had ended the joyous game, happy object, happy path, happy fruit, they blessed insofar as they were aspects of knowledge, the numerous and subtle aspects of Rudra. Then both horse and pig went away to the essence plane. That is why Rudra has three heads. And why the eight aspects of the cemeteries are the eight glorious aspects. Such it is with the atonement of the gods. They carry their aspects like talismans gained from killing and making war. After that, Vajrapani sent forth emanations, and Rudra also produced emanations. Displaying his magic power, he revealed wonders, manifesting the three heads times nine. Then Vajrapani, Lord of Mysteries, revealed the wonders of the nine major powers and began setting in order the skyfall of miscreants. He resolved to put Rudra through the eight stages of saintliness. Fertile in the means which control, he threw Rudra to the palace of the Welcome One. Rudra, unable to endure more, began to groan, hurling themselves from the ten points of space, extending themselves through the dense orchards on each side of the strong castle of the skull. Yaksas, ogres, and butas came in multitudes. There were a trillion of them. Show your strength quickly. It is time. From the twenty-four countries, where it was quartered, Rudra's army, army, numbering in the thousand trillions, or quadrillions, obviously, accompanied by criers and messengers, rushed along countless frontiers. Congesting the air and the ground, they called out in tumult. With grinding of teeth and great noise, brandishing all their weapons at the same time, now the high prince Mewatseg incited from within, then Vajradhara to the ten fierce ones, granted each the power to wield a magic dagger. And three times Hayagriva hummed his horse speech while trotting. Rudra's people began to howl and whimper. Each raised an outcry and cast away his cherished objects, his ornaments, and his heart's claims in this life. Then Tarpanagpo, exhausted, was converted. Quote, province of the Buddha's activity, I salute you. 
Creative acts of retribution, I salute you. Let my actions be accomplished in their fruits. You can see by the ripening which has come to pass what they have been in former times. Present actions determine what will come in the future. Actions are joined to the body like its shadow. What one has done, that will he endure. Neither despair nor repentance will remedy the power of actions. I am a reprobate. I hand over this body to be used like a chair. Pray sit on it. End quote. And the powerful one in front of his retinue said, quote, Unfortunate ones cannot enter into the center of the mandala. But let us enter the periphery. The unfortunate who seek the first fruit offerings may then be given a portion of the rinsings. Being a subject, I will not claim to be a peer. With obedience, I shall carry on what is necessary, and as a loving mother cherishes her child, in truth, I will keep faith. After this promise, he swore an oath. Then the Lord of Mysteries blessed his body, his speech, and his mind. And with the oath combined, he poured the water of the oath, and he put the diamond of the oath in three places. Rudra, having taken an oath not to tremble in his difficult tasks, was given the secret name of Mahakala. He was promoted to the diamond vehicle and was committed to the future hidden dharma. Finally, by means of a single stroke, it was predicted that he would become a Buddha. Of the history unabridged of the lives of the guru of Udiana, Padmasambhava, this is the sixth canto, the conversion of Rudra by the horse and the swine, sealed oaths. Well, thank you, Yeshi Tsogyo the author of this book. And uh, thank you to, I believe, Henry Wolf and Nancy Jennings for providing the uh, a lot of the music that was played in the background. And I, I believe the, the Big Ohm album. Special thanks to Susumu Ueda as well as his father and the other monks at Jofuku-in on Mount Koyasan for the music you're listening to right now. Special thanks to Camille and Kennerly for the harp transition into and out of the recital itself. One thing I, I wanted to mention, um, you heard me talk about how the white color of Vairochana is a uh, the center of this, where this here. Now, if you're coming from Western, the the Western uh, esoteric, then this 
will make a little more sense. Here you have east, west, south, and north. Now you might be thinking, ah, ah, well the north, uh, being earth, that makes sense to me. Nope. You remember the tatvas? Yellow is earth. All right. Green is air. Uh, water and, and fire, blue and red, they're a little more intuitive. Um, so uh, there you have uh, something to meditate on, if you'd like. So um, thank you for going on this uh, journey with me. That was interesting. That was a very interesting uh, story. Gosh, it kind of hit me in an unexpected way at the end. Um, all right. Well, I look forward to the next one. Um, I don't know if, if it'll be the next episode. There might be an interview, you know, regular sort of episode before we get to um, the third part of this Padma Sambhava series of episodes on Very Honored Frater BT's Esoteric Nerd Podcast. Until then, uh, just a reminder, do check out Buddhist books. Um, I'm putting up episodes quite often there, sometimes daily, but there are half an hour um, so far. Once we get to the, to the poly literature here, the maroon books, then I'm going to bump it up to an hour and stick to the reading. One thing about those is it's a lot, a lot of it's me talking on the Buddhist books uh, podcast, but I have resolved that when I get to these books back there um, I will do a little bit less babbling and a lot more reading and bump the books bump the episodes up to an hour a piece so that there can be a prayer that we will eventually get through all of Theravada Buddhism in four or five years maybe we'll see uh, alright if there's anyone that I forgot to give special thanks to uh, I apologize, and uh, special thanks to you as well. And, of course, special thanks to you, the esoteric nerd, listening to this podcast. I'll close this episode with the prayer that my father and I performed at the end of our Nyingma Vajrayana Tibetan uh, meditations that we did every morning as I was growing up. <clears throat> To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Until next time.